0: Great. Um, uh, Good morning, my name is Paul, Paul Darlington, the vicar, uh, as Andy said. Uh, Let's pray again together. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, we have sung in some measure uh, of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We pray that you would help us to hear his words. Uh, words which are not idle words, but they are our life. Pray, Father, that we might listen and take to heart and put into practice what we hear. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, I'm sorry the sermon outlines a bit, it's a full sheet of A4. I got a bit carried away with drawing diagrams on the back. Um, you can fill in, the, I'll try and help you through the bit on the back uh, if you want. Uh, Otherwise, it's just three simple questions because there's three questions in the passage and they sort of fall into those, uh, fall in that way. Um, If none of that's useful to you, then just put it to one side and listen or you can just draw pictures of the people that we come across uh, in the the passage if that helps. I wonder if... Jesus dances to your tune. By that I mean that he's exactly who you would have him be. How you think of him, how you speak of him, how you obey him. It's exactly how you would have him be. Jesus dances to your tune. It's wonderful when Jesus dances to our tune because everything he says and everything he does and everything he thinks just slots right into place with what we think he should be. just seems so right. Well, what if you sort of, um, you might read one of the New Testament Gospels, what if you uh, discover that Jesus doesn't dance to your tune? What are your options when he says something or does something and he's not quite what you think he should be? Or he doesn't quite seem to say what you think he should say? Well, what are your options? Well, you can pretend That Jesus wouldn't really have said that. Somebody's recorded it wrong and it's got passed down wrong. Or you could quietly ignore what, to you, are those harder sayings of Jesus. Just put them to one side. Uh, Or you could just reject him and say, look, if Jesus seriously believes that, then I'm not interested. Because to be honest, I know better than that. So you can pretend, Jesus wouldn't have said that, uh, you can quietly ignore those hard things, or you can reject him, or as actually happened to him, you can crucify him. That's exactly what happened in Jesus' generation. And it happened because he wouldn't dance to the tune of the people around him. Neither he nor John the Baptist would play along. Now look at the closing verses of that, Matthew 11. To what can I compare this generation, Jesus says, as he looks around at the people of his day? They're like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to each other, we played the pipe for you, and you didn't dance. We sang a dirge, and you didn't mourn. So the generation is setting the tune. And then John the Baptist turns up. He came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. See, neither John the Baptist nor Jesus would play along to the tune of the day. John, John the Baptist and Jesus did their thing and the generation said, that's not right. You, you have a demon, you're a glutton and a drunkard. Neither John nor Jesus would dance to the tune the people thought was right at the time. Well, alternatively then, what if we were to dance to Jesus' tune? What if we were to stop uh, trying to shape him in our own thinking and we were to submit to him? What if we were to dance to Jesus' tune? Well, in that case, we'd need to know exactly what kind of tune he was playing. What would be the right dance? Um, I'm no expert at dance at all. So I'm not, I'm not as has been witnessed in this building. Um, so I'm not going to, I don't know, trying to do a waltz to, some, to something that's four beats in a bar. That wouldn't work, would it? I think that's right. I know, I know very little. You, you, you need to know the tune that is being played, the note which Jesus is striking if we are to to, um, dance to his tune. Or at least we're going to need to know some of the key steps about getting it right. Well, back to the beginning of John 11, verse 1. Um, Jesus has just finished a big teaching block. Uh, There are five teaching blocks in Matthew's Gospel reflecting the five books of the Old Testament law. Here's the new revelation of God. Um, And Jesus is, having finished that teaching block, which was the whole of chapter 10, uh, Jesus is back in travelling preacher mode, uh, going from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. And John the Baptist, who is in prison, uh, hears what's going on. Now, John had been preaching before his arrest. We met him in chapter 3, announcing Jesus' coming. And these are these uh, some of the things that he uh, said. John said, I baptize you with water for repentance, he says to the crowds gathering around John the Baptist at the River Jordan, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I. Whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He'll baptize, not with water, but with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. That's the instrument you use to sort the grain from the chaff when you're harvesting. The chaff blows away as you you winnow what you've harvested. And so the wheat is gathered into the barn and the chaff is burned up with unquenchable fire. That's what this one who's coming after me will do so John is expecting two things at least one someone greater than him to come after him and that person will bring god's judgment so there's John in his prison cell having heard all these all of Jesus having heard all about Jesus's deeds John asks the natural question are you God's promised rescuing anointed one? Uh, Matthew gives the game away in verse 2, when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah. That's what God's promised, rescuing, anointed one means. The word we use for that is the Hebrew word Messiah. The Greek word is, is Christ. So John is really asking, are you Jesus Christ? The promised, rescuing, anointed king. God's promised one. Are you the one, as Hannah had put it over a thousand years before, are you the one to whom the Lord gives strength and whom the Lord will exalt? And Jesus gives a really clear answer to John's messengers. He says, yes, I am. But he does it by referring to two Old Testament texts. Jesus said, verse 4, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. So here is the great one that John is waiting for. Here's Isaiah 35. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout joy it's the moment the moment has come for the fulfillment of the prophecy jesus also says and good news is proclaimed to the poor that's from isaiah 61 the spirit of the sovereign lord's on me because the lord has anointed me jesus says to proclaim good news to the poor to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is saying to John, this is it. The one you waited for, the one you were pointing towards, the great one. This is it. The time has come. I am the one. Now Jesus um, develops... Uh, these prophecies in two ways and firstly um, what Jesus is doing is bigger and better than Isaiah predicted because if you look closely there's no healing of leprosy which Jesus mentions in Matthew 11 and no raising of the dead back in Isaiah leprosy, that incurable disease that left you unclean and outside God's people and death the unavoidable the last enemy see Jesus takes this prophecy of Isaiah and augments it and adds to it and says this is even better than you expected John I'm bringing even more than the prophets seem to have said Let's not let what Jesus brings be limited by the limits that the Old Testament might seem to set. He goes above and beyond. And if, I, if I promise my daughters a bicycle so they can get around and I, and I give them a car instead, I don't think I've broken my promise. I've just made it more than they could have imagined. And Jesus' coming is a bit like that here. Yeah, the lame will walk, the deaf will hear. Yes, but the dead will be raised and the unclean will be put right with God. Now, that's the first way that Jesus um, uses the prophecy. Now, the second way is that there's no mention of the judgment that Jesus is expect- that John is expecting. Remember, John's expecting this powerful person and judgment. And there's no mention here in Jesus' reply of Jesus bringing judgment. There's definitely some gathering going on, but there's no sign of any unquenchable fire in what Jesus has been doing. And that may be what provoked John's question. Are you the one to come? The striking thing is, Jesus deliberately doesn't mention judgment. The very verse before in Isaiah 35 says this, Be strong, do not fear, your God will come. Jesus will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened. He does exactly the same thing, makes exactly the same omission in Isaiah 61. There's what we saw before. The very next line and the day of vengeance of our God. So what tune is Jesus playing? Maybe John the Baptist hadn't even quite picked up on this, with that promise of unquenchable fire to come when this powerful one came. Jesus is playing the tune of mercy. That's all he talks about. It's the tune of verse 28 in the same chapter. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's the tune of delaying God's final judgment so that the 12 that he's been teaching on the mountain so that the towns of galilee that he's wandering around so that every generation from then 2000 years ago until now so that you and me might hear an invitation from god of mercy Before that judgment, which John expected to come as soon as Jesus appeared, but it's been delayed. Because the music of the Lord Jesus is an invitation to mercy for everyone until it's too late when that day will finally come. tune of God's mercy to be welcomed under the kind forgiving hand of God's king with a mercy greater than we ever could have expected even given all that the prophets had said where even death is conquered for us that sentence which has hung over humanity since the garden of Eden Surely, I don't, I mean, my dancing skills are limited, but I want to dance to that tune. If the King of heaven has come and has said, I will delay this judgment and I will show you mercy. Here we are stuck in sickness and suffering and death. That's our lot. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. So no wonder Jesus says, blessed, of course, blessed, in right relationship with God, everything in proper place, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. It's ironic, isn't it? How many times have you had conversations with people? That the, the, the real thing that people seem to say makes them stumble over Jesus is when Jesus does talk about judgment. I don't like that kind of, I don't like that side of what Jesus says. So people, we kind of think that it's the judgment of God which makes us stumble. But Jesus here is saying, no, well, perhaps it's, perhaps you'll stumble over my mercy. Because we just think it's too good to be true. It's too free. It's too full. It's too complete. It's too lasting. Is it truly being offered to us by the Lord Jesus? And so we stumble because we doubt the fullness of his kindness and his goodness towards us. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me, who just recognises that Jesus had taught that right at the beginning of the sermon, sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The people who know that the full mercy of God is exactly and only what we need, so we come. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Uh, so, if you're filling in the timeline, um, it's at the where we started at the far. We started at the end. Uh, Jesus, the Messiah, uh, and above the arrow, you could just write mercy, because that's the song for that era, the era that we're in between Jesus and the return tune is mercy and the first point underneath is don't stumble over his mercy or if you want to put that positively wholly accept what Jesus says he is bringing for you so Jesus was asked a question by John Jesus now asks a question about John In verse 7, as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? Now, this is all a bit cryptic. Uh, A reed swayed by the wind. Well, the last time that reeds were swayed by the wind in the Bible was the crossing of the Red Sea, believe it or not. So it's possible Jesus is saying, were you going out, when you went out in the wilderness to see John, Were you going to see the new exodus? Because the Bible had always picked up that picture of the Red Sea and that exodus from Egypt that we were learning so much about um, last week. Uh, And a promise of that being sort of been done again, a new exodus. Is that who you were going out to see? No, Uh, Jesus says. Or did you go out to see uh, somebody dressed in fine clothes? Someone who would live in a king's palace. Were you going out to see a great king? Well, you see, God had promised a great king as well. Solomon, the son of David, in all his glory. Were you going out to see the great son of David? No, you weren't. You went out to see a prophet. You couldn't be going out to see the great rescuer or the great king. Because that's me, said Jesus. John was not that one. Who is John? Well, John is the prophet. John was still looking towards the one. But John was more than just a prophet. John was the last prophet to look towards the Lord Jesus because the Lord Jesus pitched up straight after John. As Malachi had said, John held this unique position, more than a prophet. I'll send my messenger, that's John, ahead of you and who will prepare your way before you. The way of the Lord. So a prophet, but the greatest of the prophets because he's the last one. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. But because of what John was signifying, that this great king, the Lord Jesus, was coming, the momentous event in human history, because of what John was signifying, anybody who enters into this kingdom with Jesus is greater than John the Baptist because John was looking forward to it. We are invited by Jesus' mercy to be part of it. But what's been the tune that's been played since John arrived? Well, this is very different. Verse 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it. He's not talking about a long uh, period of time. But Jesus describes the time between John and Jesus as violent upheaval and opposition to what God is doing. As this unique moment in God's purposes plays out, all kinds of forces are at play, spiritual, earthly, evil. John is in prison, remember. There's a mark of it. And Jesus will be crucified. There's the mark of it. The cross will be the greatest advance the kingdom of heaven ever makes. But it's violent and it's done in opposition to God. Even in God's greater wisdom, it accomplishes what God set out to do. Jesus is making clear here how unique and world-changing, what an upheaval it is for this moment to have come into our world. He emphasizes that point in verse 13, saying everything that came before is now done. Um, Verse 13, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Then John comes and you have this upheaval and this violent opposition and John is in prison and Jesus is crucified. And then you have the era of mercy. Which Jesus invites us to join in. See the tune of the prophets and the law was simply looking forward. It was all to come. But John is right on the cusp. And so there's that, that, that violence and upheaval happens because the kingdom of God is coming. And then Jesus rises and mercy is his invitation. If you are willing to accept it, he is, John is Elijah who was to come the penultimate verse of the old testament see i will send the prophet elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the lord comes verse 15 whoever has ears to hear let them hear jesus is saying again he's saying listen listen hear hear the times Hear the tune. You've had the law and the prophets. You've had the era of John the Baptist. That turmoil when the kingdom comes is prophesied in Ezekiel and Zephaniah and Zechariah. I think the numbers are in my head if you ask me afterwards. It's all expected. And Jesus says, so listen. What do you hear? You hear that the Messiah is here. The one who delays judgment to pour out his mercy. So finally, Jesus asks his generation in verse 16, so who are you? He says to his generation. To what can I compare this generation? They had tunes that they wanted John and Jesus to dance to. But neither John nor Jesus danced to their tune. But, verse 19, Jesus will be proved right, as will John. John came, called him a demon. Son of man came, Jesus talking about himself, a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right. By her deeds. Jesus will be proved right. One day we will have to dance to his tune. His invitation is to start today under his hand of mercy before we're forced to under his hand of judgment. Matthew ties this little section together neatly, doesn't he? Verse 2, John asked about the deeds of the Messiah. Final verse 19, but wisdom is proved right by her deeds. All that Jesus said, everything he did, everything he thought, everything that he revealed, everything that he called us to obey will be proved right. It is not a risk worth taking to make Jesus dance to our tune. Rather, it is the best thing we could ever do to submit ourselves to him. As Jesus puts it right as he begins, repent, turn back to me, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke, my dance is easy, and my burden is light. Uh, We are in the time, you're still on the timeline, we are in the time to receive mercy. Jesus will never quite be what we expect him to be. I don't know if you, any of you, you might have lots of verses underlined in your Bible. Lots of people do that. But you tend to underline all the things you agree with and like. Well, Jesus isn't trying to, Jesus isn't working on those bits. We already agree with him on all those bits. We should be underlining all the other bits where Jesus doesn't fit what we think he should be. Jesus will never quite be who we expect him to be. But he will be proved right. So wisdom calls us to him. That's going to mean all the normal things that Christians have always done. It's going to mean coming on occasions like this to hear what jesus actually said and to submit to him it's going to mean through the week trying to get a bit more bible as we read with others and ourselves it means saying our prayers because we want his will to be done not ours it becomes a daily pattern of life to walk in jesus steps To get up in the morning and remember that we live in the era of mercy from God. And to rejoice in that through the day. To obey his commands and to do good to others. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The law and the prophets said it was coming. John said it was coming. It's come. And Jesus is patiently waiting for us to walk his way, to dance his dance, to live for him. Let's pray together. A very different gospel, uh, but the same truth. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that we live in the era of mercy, the day of salvation, the day of your favour. And Father, we pray that you would help us to receive Jesus as he is, as he shows himself to be. To take seriously what he says, to believe what he did and to obey. His commands. Father, we pray that we might enjoy this life of being part of your kingdom. We thank you that you have waited this long that we have had a chance to hear this good news that Jesus proclaims to the poor, to the suffering, to the sick, to all of us, Father, who sit under the sentence of death. He has offered us life and rest for our souls. Father, we pray that daily we would grow loving and following him. For his name's sake. Amen.